0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. We are business creators. We are entrepreneurs. We're small business owners. We're local business owners. We're marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We are those who help others create and grow their businesses, and... We also have our do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every single week are all of the above, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Where over 180 episodes await your immediate perusal when you subscribe today. Remember that every five-star rating helps us help more business creators just like you, and you definitely want to subscribe because fresh content is added every single week. Now for today's episode, this is when it landed in my lap a few years—excuse uh, me, a few weeks ago. Um, somebody actually approached us wanting to be on the Business Creators Radio Show, and as soon as I saw her topic and what she's doing in business, I said, book that one for me right now. The reason is, I saw what she was doing, and we're going to talk about that, and what she wanted to share with you as business creators today is a discussion about all the crap that you didn't know was part of the gig when you started a business, and There was an alternative title, which will be kind of sort of like a a subtitle for this episode, which is what you don't know, you don't know can kill your business. How many times listening to the Business Creators Radio Show have you heard me say, you don't know what you don't know? Well, same type of thing. And many of us when we became entrepreneurs, and I put myself in the first division of this category, really had no idea what the heck we were getting into. Hey, sounds great. Rah, rah. Start a business. Be your own boss. Then you find out that eh, you have these things called responsibilities and things that happen. So uh, to help help us break through this today, I'm very excited to introduce introduce to you Brooke Borup of My Clone Solutions. So Brooke, welcome aboard.
1: Thanks, Adam, for having me.
0: Great, absolutely. So what I'm going to do here is uh, I'm going to. Uh, turn the, the mic over to you here for a minute, actually. Uh, you know, we have a, an official bio from you that actually kind of sounds like the intro I just did. But what I'd like to do is give those of our listeners who are right now getting to know you an opportunity to find out a little bit more about uh, what Brooks up to. So tell us in your own words a little bit about your journey that's brought you to your current intersection of brilliance and passion serving business creators.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, All right. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So over Uh the course of uh, my parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, we have 11 small businesses.
0: And it wasn't until
1: I started my own business that I discovered that they were not business owners. They were basically self-employed. There's a difference, right? So I grew up knowing the struggles that a business owner goes through, seeing the ups and downs of the businesses based on, um, (laughs) based on money and based on time of year and lack of clients or too many clients. And I decided I never wanted to be a business owner. Like I decided that when I was 15 years old and went and got my first job. And uh, at 31 years old, I fired the corporate world and said, I am done with you because you don't – it's too much red tape. There's too many things that you have to adhere to that don't make sense at all. And I was really good at supporting business owners. And so when I just said, I'm done with this, I'm starting my own company, and I am going to go help these solar or these self-employed business owners become actual entrepreneur business owners because they need to, and they need to know what is there, and they need help with it, and they don't know what they don't know, and now I need to help as many of them as I possibly can, so that's kind of my journey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and you know, uh, you and I have kind of opposite backgrounds. Uh, I come from a background of people who are not entrepreneurs. I was feeling the entrepreneurial bug. I think I got bit kind of early, but it took a while for the disease to actually make its way through me and infect my brain and cause me to do things like reject the norm and become unemployable and things like that. When I was a Mm -hmm. kid, when I was a kid, I couldn't just sit around in the summertime. So I got me a lawnmower and started me a little grass cutting business. I mean, my prospects were limited because I lived way out in the country, and, uh, you know, the next neighbor was so far away, you couldn't even hear their dog barking. But I found a trailer park a couple miles away, and I'd push my lawnmower up there, and I'd uh, hustle for uh, hustle for jobs. And uh, after a while, I had pretty much the entire trailer park for a couple summers, so I was making a little bit of coin. Uh, I used to scour the penny saver for opportunities, and uh, they were mostly that work-at-home type thing, you know, stuff envelopes things like that. And I thought about that. Um, I also thought about getting into the business of becoming a, I kid you not, a distributor for M&Ms. Thought about that. Uh, My grandfather had a garage sale that he ran and I would, uh, I'd help him out with that. Uh, When I was in college, when I was supposed to be writing my poli-sci term papers, there I was down in the computer lab. I'd gotten an interest in competition auto sound because I wanted to put a mad system in my Camaro So there I was looking at some of the early e-commerce websites in the late 1990s uh, with the subwoofers and the amps and the custom door panels and all other kinds of applications. I had a reseller opportunity there, too, but I allowed people to talk me out of it. Uh, I mean, I could have made a mint on these custom kick panels that uh, set the custom soundstage for the third generation Camaro, which uh, from the front stage was horrible acoustically. Could have made a mint on this. Uh, other people were making all kinds of money. I got in touch with a um, got in touch with a guy who wanted me to come on as a distributor. I could have done it, but I allowed people to talk me out of it, saying you get rich quick schemes. Why aren't you investing in the stock market? Yeah, like I was 20 years old, I knew a damn thing about the stock market. Come on. So, you know, I I decided all right, I'll get the gold watch. I'll I'll go to college. You know, you know, finish college. Yeah. Uh well I mean I, I, I did a poli-sci degree because I had this I had my childhood dream of becoming an attorney. Then I actually uh did some research and attended some seminars to find out what being an attorney was all about. And let me tell you, I have since then the greatest respect for attorneys because what they do is an art and a science. And I also had the unwavering decision that there's no way in hell I would do that for a living. So casting about. So I have a couple Mick jobs that really you know sucked, uh, but, to put it bluntly. And I said, all right, I'm gonna go get my MBA. Uh, got the MBA, held on a full-time job, while I was working the MBA, and discovered that I was essentially unemployable. I tell you, and this is why, and this is, and I know I've been you know going on here for a few minutes, but I'm getting to the punchline, the reason why, when I saw your episode topic, I said, I need to have you on my show. Is because what I felt was totally lacking in the MBA education, and it's only evolved slightly in the past fifteen years. It's only evolved slightly. We're nowhere near as far as we should be. Is they weren't teaching you entrepreneurship; they were teaching you how to become a corporate servant. Right. And I'll tell you. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because MBA programs. Uh, by and large, and again, this is a role and there are exceptions to it, so any of our listeners want to tell me that I'm wrong about such and such a program, I probably am because there are exceptions, but the general role that I've seen is that they depend on corporate sponsorships, and just like online marketers who depend on their affiliates for a significant portion of their income through the internet, MBA programs depend on Companies that offer tuition reimbursements in exchange for the five years of slavery for a significant portion of their students. And mm-hmm. you know how you know how you can tell which companies are putting up the money, the ones that are always praised by all the professors in cited of case studies. Exactly. Yeah, like I mean, I, I mean, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the time, and I um, and uh, I was uh, going for my MBA at Duquesne University, which really. I'll tell you, it was one of the finest programs that I've seen. Um, aside from my minor criticism that I just shared, I mean, as far as teaching you the fundamentals of being an effective, dynamic business person, uh, it's really a second and none program. The only challenge is it was geared towards the corporate, and more towards the entrepreneurial, uh, and and you know, and I, you know, you could just tell who they were trying to align with because. They were always talking about this company called Free Markets, which I guess was some kind of you know, cutting edge whatever, and uh, and let's just say I was a temp at Free Markets, and believe me, it, 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 it's a complete lie, I'm, and I and I don't mind saying this now. Free Markets isn't going to come after me because a few years later, I actually laughed when I got bought out because, I mean, really, uh, but my point being with all this is that, uh, not to dance on a grave or something, but we were having this company cited as being the ultimate be-all and end-all of corporate dynamism. Uh, meanwhile, I saw from the inside, thought that their statements were kind of hilarious, but then I noticed that there were a lot of people in the classes who worked for that company. So why do you think they cited that company as a case study so often? Because they were getting a lot of students from it.
1: They were paying the bills. They, yeah. And yeah. Corporate is like that. They tell you if you if you go through their management program, you have to have your MBA, so we're going to give you money to go do that right. um, because they want you to have that extended education, those little letters behind your name. Yep. But it's all corporate. And if you really are good at following rules and um, not thinking for yourself and just doing what whoever is above you says to do, that they're getting rules from people above them you right. have to know your place in the corporate entity. You have to be okay with knowing your place. And if you make it up to the top, then great. But if you're, you have to be comfortable where you're at because you never know if you're going to get to where you want to get to without leaving and going doing it yourself. But there's and, that downside.
0: And, and, and yeah. you know what? Uh, that whole thing of, you know, working for corporations and being told that my, Um, That the perception of my ability to tell the truth, if not my entire evaluation as a human being, was determined by my relative position on an organizational chart to somebody else? Yeah, that didn't fly with me. Sorry. Uh, So when I jumped out and uh, went full-time into the entrepreneur thing, I thought, I'm done with this forever. And to a certain degree, I was. But there's still some crap that we didn't know was part of the gig. So, uh, you know, me me using my own platform to sort of, you know, just rant here for a while, which I can do because it's my business creator's radio show. But now what we're going to do is we're going to shine this spotlight onto Brooke. And what I want you to do for me first and foremost is define in your experience and in the experience of some of your clients, what is some of the crap that they didn't know was part of the gig?
1: Everything they didn't get in business to do. So I work I work with um, small business owners that have a skill, and they have a really, really great skill that they are amazing at. Um, Let's just take the baker. So the baker at your local grocery store that everybody raves about. Now, granted, I'm from Florida. So here in Florida, it's Publix, right? And Publix has by far some of the best grocery store cakes you'll ever eat. Right. And these bakers know that. And they get clients on the side, and they start doing their thing, and they're really good at it, and they love it. And so what they do is they say, I'm going to go get myself a kitchen. I'm going to get myself a storefront. I'm going to bake cakes for a living. I'm going to take all of my savings and all of my 401K and all of my everything and jump feet first inside of this, because this is what I love to do. Whee! Yeah. Exactly. And so they get into their shop and then they're like, where are my clients going to come from? How do I find them? How do how do they even know that, you know, I'm here? Well, that's called marketing. folks. Um, and so and but if you're a if you're a baker at Publix, Publix is doing the baking for you. Right. Or sorry, the the uh, marketing for you. But then right. guess what? Box time comes around. And you have no receipts, you have no anything, because when you worked at Publix, they did all the money. They also set all the prices. And I can tell you that that is the number one thing with most entrepreneurs is packaging and pricing themselves. Either they undervalue themselves and cut their rate down to nothing so they don't make any money and they fail, or they say, I'm worth much more than Publix. So they go in at the top of dollar, don't get any clients, and they fail. And, you know, and then where it comes to really what I help with and what I do with my clients is all of the administrative crap. So that might be bookwork and it might be marketing, but guess what? You don't have a website. You have no way of taking care of your clients, no form of communication. You have no idea on anything about the business with the exception of what it is that you do best. And nobody thinks about that when they take that leap from corporate to entrepreneur, unless you've been trained. Right. And so that's where we are. All the crap you didn't know was part of the gig. And that's where, you know, those that the statistics of like three out of five small business owners fail within the first three years. It's not because they weren't good at what they did. It's because of all the other crap they didn't know. And that's where
0: we're at. Well, you know, and some folks, when they see entrepreneurship, they see, oh, I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to live a freedom-based lifestyle where I'm going to work one hour a month and I'm going to travel the world and all that. And then you find out that um, the people who are actually doing that are those that have spent hours, if not well, actually more years and years, maybe even decades in the trenches – and now have 27 different streams of income to support that lifestyle. Uh, believe me, they didn't yeah. become they didn't become little Tim Ferriss' overnight. I mean, they, there's a lot of blood, toil, tears, and sweat behind earning that lifestyle. And even while they're uh, hiking Mount Kilimanjaro, they're still checking in to make sure that all 27 streams of income are flowing. They're probably answering 100 questions. They're still dealing with lawyers and accountants and every other darn thing. They're just not having yeah. to do it from an office, which is – the beauty of it. So looking at it from. They've
1: learned to, well, sorry. Yeah.
0: They,
1: they have learned to manage their yeah. business rather than run their business. And that's what all um, self-employed people that choose to be self-employed. That's where you're trying to get. Right. And it, so it's all about taking the right steps and knowing what you don't know from the beginning and finding those people to align yourself with so that you can get from self-employed to business owner to business manager to now I actually have what that American dream says I can have.
0: Right. Exactly. It's a stepwise process. So if you're not yet at the place where you can say, I'm bored, I'm going to Paris, (laughs) follow the steps. You'll get there if you follow the steps, but don't expect it from day one. See, where I'm at right now in my business evolution, if you're listening to this and to, you know, we, you know, we, um, you know this episode was from 2017, but uh, if you're listening to this 10 years in the future, uh, bear in mind where I am at right now is, here's how I define the idea of entrepreneurial freedom. For me, it's in the little things. Uh, I'll give you three quick examples. Uh, I break a tooth and I'm in constant pain. Uh, somebody who does not have any freedom at all, has to request time off, listen to a lecture about, uh, well, can you get back here this afternoon so you don't miss the meeting, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and be told it has to cut into their vacation time if there are no sick days, uh, and may have to wait and even be lectured about, you know, can't this wait till the weekend? You know, we have a deadline here. If I break a tooth and I'm in pain, I hit pause and go to dentist. And because everybody's at work, I walk right into the chair, sit right down. They shoot me up with a septicane, and off we go. La-la land. Yay. Tooth fixed. Uh, that's example number one. Example number two, I want to attend a seminar. If you need to get somebody else's permission to do that, uh, here I'll, I'll give you one quick example of something I heard happen to a friend of mine who you know, attended a, a three-day seminar Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, they were instructed that uh, they – not only could not have Monday off, uh, you know, to make up for the travel, but they couldn't even get approved for a vacation day for that Monday after they got back. They were told that, uh, uh, oh yeah, well, we check Priceline and we see that that seminar ends at four, and there's a flight that leaves at seven thirty that will get you back here at four a.m. We expect you on that flight because it wouldn't be fair to your coworkers. Uh, when you were already off Friday to take Monday off. Exactly. If I want to go, if I want to go to a seminar uh, and it's a three-day seminar, and I want to just hang out in that city for another three days, or I have friends, or I want to take the long way home and stop somewhere else on the way back, I do it because I can. Third, and this is something that I has taken me ten years to get to, and this involves you having really good relationships with your clients. And being able to understand some of that crap you didn't know and master it is if I want to travel somewhere, because I have like uh, four or five clients that I deal with directly. Um, they're you know, part of the core of my business. They're very VIP elite type clients. And I handle all things with them hands on because uh, it's just my passion. I mean, I'll, I'll, I will leverage and grow in other ways, but these four or five clients, they're mine. Uh I don't really have to worry about them and their issues and their deadlines and their nagging me whenever I'm traveling or at a seminar or taking a vacation or something like that, because my relationships are so strong with them, we just schedule all their stuff around uh, my needs and around their needs, and we make it all work out. And now that took a long time for me to master that skill and master that ability, and that comes from when you have ironclad, trust-based relationships. Yes,
1: it does. A lot of people, I, um, a lot of, yeah, you don't
0: you don't get you don't get that by replicating corporate and your entrepreneurial thing where you're having people fill out slips to get permission to take a two hour lunch.
1: Yeah, I just had a client take me on a podcasting cruise because I help with impl- implementation. So I went. She paid for my education pass. She paid for everything. We went on a five day cruise. Two of those days were education. The other two days we spent implementing, and we implemented from the bar, we implemented from the pool, we implemented from the from the hot tub. We were working the entire time, but we both got a five-day vacation with some really awesome people and learned a lot. And exactly. you can't do that if you work for a corporate, you know. Your, your clients in corporate are not taking you out like that. <laughs>
0: right, right. So, I mean, we can talk uh, for a long time about – why delegation is so important to any business owner, but come on, we know the answer to that. And you have a and you have a book that teaches that, which we'll talk about. Um, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to actually go below that surface layer, and I'd like to go to the layer of dirt underneath it, which is how does a business owner choose the right tools to sustain and develop what we've been talking about?
1: Okay, so the number one thing is to have an ally. Don't just go at it on your own. There are lots of resources out in the world. Um, but if you're trying to save yourself the time and the money that it takes to uh, t- trial everything out, um, go to where those people are hanging out. And I will tell you there are Facebook groups of digital marketers and there are Facebook groups of people that do this all day long. But find somebody that knows stuff that knows the stuff that you don't know. This may be a virtual assistant. It may be um, an online business manager. If you search those Google terms, you'll find them. And then you can ask them the question. You know, what should I be using for my CRM? Or what should I be using to automate my networking homework? Um, These are the things that, these are how I get business. Because people are asked, I'm known as the question person now. So people ask me these questions, and seriously, I will be out in public, and I will have my name badge on from whatever networking event that I went to, and they'll be like, "You're Brooke. I need to know." Dot dot dot. And ah. and so it's it's all about finding that ally in your business. Um, my biggest rule is don't be sold. Don't be sold, because. Small business owners will be lazy when it comes to choosing the right tools for their business. And they will get a call from someone. And it could be from, you know, a CRM system. It could be from an online marketing system. And they're just like, wow, okay, well, that sounds really great. You just promised me a, a lot of things. But that's something they've never heard of before. And I will, and I'm going to throw my dad under the bus here because, um, Coming from an example standpoint, um, two years ago, my dad or my mom called me and told me my dad did something bad and he didn't want to tell me. And um, I called him and I said, you need to tell me what you did because mom's angry. And he said Yellow Pages called him. And they told him he needed a new website and he needed SEO and he needed all of this stuff. And they sold him to the tune of four thousand dollars. He didn't even know what any of that meant. And he called and when we were talking, I said, Well, I'm not handing over your website to them. So you better call and get out of that contract. You've got seventy two hours. Right. And so, you know, hey, we got him a new website and we got him SEO and we got him everything they promised for under four thousand dollars. Right. But he was he was sold and he wasn't even gonna own his website.
0: Yeah, and let me let me.
1: That.
0: Yeah, let me point something out here. Um, you got to be real careful about those types of deals, especially when they say we'll throw in a free domain. Because I've seen people, I'm gonna say it, I've seen people get bent over royally. I'm being blunt mm-hmm. about it by the we'll throw in a free domain thing, because what happens is you find out you don't own your domain. You pull the plug on that service, and poof, there goes your business.
1: Exactly. You know, and you don't need to work with the biggest companies out there. A lot of them are overselling you. I can't tell you I there, there's one one particular CRM that has an amazing team of cold callers. And they will call every small business that gets registered, and they will say, you need to have this CRM. You need to have all of this stuff, and this is what it can do for you. But they don't realize that that $10,000 setup fee and the $300 a month that they're giving you for half price the first year, you're never going to use 90% of what that CRM has to offer
0: because
1: it's not you. It's not. It wasn't built for you. It has nothing to do with what you need. Most small business owners need to start with something that's twenty bucks a month, and then if you pay, you know, if you were to come to somebody like me or a OBM or somebody that um, has some knowledge about CRM that can guide you through how to set it up specifically for what you need, that is all you need. You may right. have a thousand-dollar setup fee or a four hundred-dollar setup fee versus ten thousand, and you didn't even know how to work the software, or you That's never true. used it. So just don't be sold. Find somebody like me um, that can answer some questions for you and give you that opinion.
0: Yeah, let me. Yeah, uh, you know, I there. There's something I do in my uh, business consulting is uh, is part of what I do is when I find a client who is susceptible to being sold is I work out with them that anytime they get a call or anytime somebody approaches them about doing a demo uh, they uh, if I can I'll listen in or but at minimum I want them to send me their notes or their summaries or what have you and uh, ask my opinion on whether they should do it and no matter what it is I don't even read the stuff I just tell them no I'm, I'm revealing a, a little secret here. Um, I hope my next my next 25 clients aren't listening to this very second. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, with this with this one particular client, let, let me let me get past the facetious part and get to the serious part. With this one particular client, because they were so susceptible to being sold, is I would have them run all this stuff by me, and I would say no to every single one of them. The reason I did that is because. 95% of the time, they just said, no. Oh, Adam said, no, I'm not doing it. Hey, if they could be sold by the other company, they could be sold by me too. That's what you have to remember. Don't be sold. Do your own homework. Do your own due diligence, which means uh, even when you're working with a consultant, make sure that the advice they're giving you is what matches what you need to do with your business and what is you know at the intersection of your brilliance, your passion, and your sense of integrity.
1: Um, yep the other it's, point, all, it's all about process. Yeah. It's the other, sorry, it's, it's all yeah. about process at that point. Yeah. And it, it can start at the very beginning when you're out networking for your business and you meet uh, in a in a given week, especially here in Tampa, right. there are fifty business fifty business coaches or consultants that you're gonna meet. Oh yeah. Not all of them are trying to sell you, but If you go through a process and say, all right, I'm going to ask this person a question that either I already know the answer to or I already have an idea of what my answer is going to be, see what they tell me and see if they immediately try to sell me or if they're really in it to help me. And then test it. That's how you find a business coach. You don't just jump in because somebody has a webinar. Right. You
0: know,
1: you... You need to find the right one for you, and there are a lot of them out there. You know, and I work with business coaches all day long because my clients have business coaches. My business coaches have clients. And I actually, I have a list of business coaches, and I know them. I know their views on business. I know how they handle their clients. Some business owners need to be coddled. Other ones just need, like, the military, like, do this, do this, do this. Yes. You know, everything's different. So if I'm going to recommend uh, a strategy partner for one of my clients, because that's not something I do, if I'm going to recommend, I'm going to base it on the personalities and how they're going to work together and what my client needs. So that's with everything in business with Finding people to be your ally, for finding products to use in your business, for finding suppliers to work with, find your allies and do that by your gut. And, well, you know, it's just, it's that thing that you have to do as a business owner to make sure that you're putting the right people on your team.
0: Yeah, let me, Yeah. Uh, yeah. let me just say, I want to thank you for, um, I want to thank you for that, first off, and i gonna tell you the reason why is because I've been saying for how many years now uh, in terms of, let's see, I'm, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. Sometimes that happens, uh, but you know, you are validating something very important with that point. Could you say the last few words of it again just to jog my memory? I got so excited there.
1: Oh geez, now I have to think about that again. Um, <laughs> make, make sure you're right. you're making the best decisions for your business and for you. Oh yes, to, yes, to I, rem- I remember. I remember.
0: I remember now. I remember now. Yes. Uh, it has to do with <laughs> webinars. Uh, people will <laughs> say, you know, um, you know I got to do this webinar, and if I don't convert a million and a half dollars off this webinar, it's not worth it. Uh, there was a there was a client of mine who um, three years ago. Uh, he uh, did a webinar, uh, and the goal was to fill uh, a live event that he was promoting. Uh, Now, he may be listening to this episode, and he knows who he is, so I'm going to tell you the punchline in a second. And he did that webinar once. Um, He didn't immediately fill all the seats in his seminar, so he declared the entire strategy a complete failure. Now, three years later, uh, he's he's still my client, and he's also working with this other – uh amazing business coach who actually is also a previous client of mine uh now the guy definitely knows who he is but uh and between the two of us we you know we said i mean she and i weren't coordinating but we were just saying the same thing at the same time was he's got to get back on these webinars so he committed himself uh, he did a couple webinars and uh just now just now the seats are starting to Fill and we're being, starting to be able to trace a couple of those registrations directly to the webinars. So you may not get, you may not single-handedly in one webinar turn your entire business around or underwrite your entire budget for the next three years or buy a mansion or whatever. But when you do webinars, you show people the intersection of your brilliance and passion. You show yourself to the world as somebody who is taking a leading role. And you're giving people the opportunity to engage with you through what I call the website conversion conversation and what everybody else calls the process of know, like, and trust. So that's what you have to bear in mind too. So, yeah, when I see these people say, oh, I saw a webinar and so and so and so and so told me, uh, so we got to do this right now. Oh, my God, I can't believe I missed this. Like, you know, you're writing great sales copy for them. Thank you. Uh, I'll swipe it and use it on your behalf and maybe we'll find another guppy. But, uh, but the fact is, is um, it's part of the process of making the right decisions. And by doing your own webinars uh, and putting them out in the world, you're showing people that you are an authority figure. You're showing people you're an advocate and you're giving them the opportunity to engage with that. They may need 14, 20 opportunities to engage with that, which is why you don't just do one and when it doesn't immediately turn everything around, just throw the whole thing out and say it was an abject failure and I'll never do it again. No.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, an ideal, like, okay, so in 2017, the webinar industry, the teaching of webinars, the doing of webinars, the doing yes. of webinars to do other things, is a multi-billion dollar business right now. Right. Oh, because it is. it's what... It's the, it's the way that people are selling where it used to be networking. It used to be cold calls. It used to be a whole bunch of things. And in like, as in 2017, right now, um, it's the thing, but technology is going to change and then there's going to be something else. But if, if you look at it as the evolution of the business owner or the evolution of business in general, There's one constant thing. You have to do, and you have to follow up and follow up and follow up and follow up. And if you don't have that process in place, and it doesn't matter what's your industry, it doesn't matter what's your business, it doesn't matter what you do. If you don't have that follow-up put in place and it's not automated, you failed. Yes. You Uh, have to make sure that that is the first that you put in place as a business owner
0: right what
1: is your follow-up process because if you don't have one and you're not thinking about one everything you're doing is a failure
0: that's right that's right so we talk about follow-ups and being persistently consistent and this is another thing that people don't always know is part the gig because they can be sold without even realizing that they're sellable and they buy into this. Well, I sent one email and I made $13,423 while I was eating lunch. No, no, yep. no,
1: no, no. Yep. Uh, so what, yep. so what,
0: so what I've dealt with with a lot of clients, and I think are about uh, there's a couple current clients and maybe 15 previous clients who may be listening to this who are all going to think it applies to them. And the answer is it does. Uh, when they saw what goes into doing a promotion to your list or doing a launch or filling up seats in a webinar, let's just even use that basic example. Um, their eyes pop out when they see all this, you know, pre-launch sequence and sideways sales letters and, uh, story selling. And they say, you know, why the heck are we doing this? Uh, I've been, I've been in business for 20 years. People know me. They don't care about this bullshit. Just send an email asking for the order. Now, I have a very simple response to the, I've been in business for 20 years. These people know me. They don't need to hear this bullshit. They, mm-hmm. uh, There are 100 other people who have been in business for 30 years who your audience know, like, and trust more than you. Yep. So you still got to do it. And after a while, what they start to notice is, that, you know, we do get to the point where we start to just ask for the order. And that's what we call the scarcity part of the sequence or the close down part of the sequence. or the doors open, that, that whole part of the, the sequence. And they say, oh, I see what you were doing. That was foreplay. And now we're getting to the action. <laughs> right, ah, exactly. There I get it. Like, come on. You know, you've been to this before. It's like, oh, now I get it. And see, that's the thing. All the crap you didn't know was part of the gig. Uh, uh, just like you find out that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, now you're the decision maker. You find out how easily you can be sold.
1: Yep, and you find out how much you, how much in your past life you relied upon the people that you relied upon. You know, I right. like I am I am a huge proponent of virtual workers. And the reason that I yes. say that is because I was an admin. I was an admin that served 18 people at one time. And they are, and I was making 12 bucks an hour. And I was running the lives of 18 oh,
0: people. Oh, Lord.
1: All right. And oh, it Lord. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, it is the the one position. It is, I, I consider it the neck. You know, um, it's the neck of anybody who serves or that you serve. So I had 18 heads in one neck and I turned those heads any way that I needed to turn them to get stuff done. Sometimes it was against each other (laughs) and sometimes it was against clients in the outside world. But I ran that office for $12 an hour. They were all making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars more a year than I was. Right. And so now you have these small business owners, and I will, oh, small business owners will say, you know what, I just need somebody for $10 an hour. Well, guess what? That $10 an hour person is making $15 at, um, S- slipping burgers. Yeah. So I would much rather go flip burgers than run your company for you because you cannot find a clone. You cannot find somebody to be critical thinking in America today for $10 an hour. Right. You know, and so, yeah, it's, it's all about where your time and money needs to be spent and how much you value the people that you're going to put on your team, whether they're staff or whether they're um, subcontractors or just somebody you call when you need a little bit of helping hand. You need to value all of that and show appreciation for that, because, and especially in the admin world, your admin is going to run your life, and right. ideally, that's the way that it should be. You know, me, you're the yeah, manager; let, you make yeah.
0: decisions. Yep. Yeah, let me let me let me tell you something um, along along those lines. Is uh, I, when people hear how much. I pay my graphic designer when I say what her company's hourly rate is. I'm not going to do it here. Uh, but when I, when I, when I tell them that rate, uh, they either laugh or tell me I'm the stupidest person in the world because why the hell am I paying that three digit number? I'm not kidding. It's a three digit number <laughs> for website graphics and banners and things like that. Why am I paying that per hour? Uh, shouldn't I be? Uh, doing something on Elance or getting uh, 25 people to trip over each other on 99 designs for the opportunity to make 18 bucks. The reason I pay that premium is because I appreciate the value of having somebody who knows my shorthand and I know her shorthand who has seen a hundred examples of things that I like and things that my clients like. So we don't really have to go through the whole process of trying to figure out the vibe of what the project is going to be. Usually they can, they can at least hit, hit a ground ball on the first draft. And uh, mm-hmm. third, because the rate that they've set allows them to be choosy about doing the things they love. They can get me fast turnarounds. So low super low supervision, high, high quality, fast turnaround and not having to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, There's another firm that uh, I work with for a number of things. But the gist of what they do is they manage the Business Creators Radio Show. I mean, all the nuts and bolts of it. The only thing I have to do for the Business Creators Radio Show is um, review guest applications to decide who I want to have on my show. Um, If there's somebody that I want to reach out to to do that. And to show up and do the interviews, literally every single thing other thing is handled by somebody else uh I mean guest sourcing guest approval and me showing up to do the interviews that's all that I, that's all I have to do and exactly. uh, i pay and I pay this firm probably more money than I really have to I mean I could probably find a way to get a lot of that done for ten dollars an hour, but do you know why I pay what I pay, so I don't have to worry about it
1: mhm-. Exactly. I mean
0: uh I I mean I mean all I all I have to do is uh say good job, thank you. Uh once in a while point something out, you know, when I catch the occasional statistical error because we're dealing with humans. Uh but yeah. really I am bursting with appreciation for this company every day because I don't have to worry about nothing.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. Thir- and and you yeah. Told you
0: to put them on the team. And then and then there's a third company. Um uh, you know, I'm on a number of different social networks, but uh, there are really only two that I get hands on with. The rest are managed by other people. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to say which two that I'm directly hands on with and which ones are really managed by other people. And I only jump in when the conversation you know, really gets personal. Uh, but another thing, I pay this social media management firm about twice what I really need to. Uh, And they recently raised their rates on me, and I didn't even question it. I just said, yeah, go ahead. You know, surprise you're even asking, really. I mean, you deserve it. Uh, Same thing. I know that uh, they have taken the time to study my voice to know that there are a few phrases that they never, ever, ever, ever use when voicing me, and when they're doing the social shares onto our various company fan pages, some of which uh, you know don't even have our name on them. So, uh, you know, there's, you know, you might, you might be surprised to find out you're following us without even realizing it. I'm going to let that all the bag. They <laughs> know that there are a few certain sources out there to never, ever, 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 ever share from because nobody will believe it's coming from me. Right. And yep. because they have taken the time to get to know that, and because on the very rare occasions I notice something and have to gently nudge them in a different direction, I don't even have to really think about this, I get the opportunity to have multiple conversations on different fronts, don't even have to think about it. Exactly. In, fa- in, exactly. Fact, what happens is, in fact, what happens is on Facebook, um, I get all the alerts that say um, your scheduled posts on such and such a page have been published. I actually get excited because I just want to see what's I just want to see what awesome things they came up with.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, this it, is what... it is amazing. It's amazing how much that, how much you can, if you put the right things in place and you have that ally to teach you how to do it, you can you can get your business to where it doesn't work or where it works without you or where you can sell it or you can succeed it. And, you know, I work with my clients starting from day one, and they may have been in business for 30 years and not even know what they're going to do with it for their succession plan. What are you going to do when you retire? Is your business worth anything? And, like, I will work with business brokers, and they'll call me because the first question a business broker asks you when you want to sell your business is, can your business run without you? And if the answer is no, you have five to seven years worth of work to do. Yep. In order to say yes. And, so, and then they bring me in at that point. But if you start working with me now or you start working with somebody now that can help you start building that, when you're ready to um, sell your business or succeed your business and the business broker says, can the business run without you, and you say, yep, guess what? You can start today and you can have your business sold as soon as you can have your business sold. Right. And it's uh, crazy.
0: Right. Uh, you know, true disclosure about my business. Um, I have those five to seven clients that I told you about. Even if I were to sell everything else I had, I would still keep them. In fact, it would be part of the deal. Um, there were uh, companies that were looking to uh, you know, buy me out as an exclusive resource, and I said, well, I'll be exclusive, but I get to keep these other five." Right. So, I mean, all those types of deals. So, that piece of my business I absolutely know is unsellable. And I also have made the strategic decision that uh, there's planned obsolescence around that. Those clients are welcome to stay with me as long as they're in business. In fact, I hope they do because these are clients where I've been with them eight years, 10 years, 12 years. That's the nature of the relationships we have. I mean, those are the time frames. Um I hope mm-hmm. they stay with me until they drop dead at the age of 95. But the fact is, that is a planned obsolescence model. When it's gone, it's gone. I'm not looking to leverage that or build a team around it or clone it or make 20 others or anything like that. What the Business Creators Institute is currently in the process of is developing training and education programs that can be delivered on an on-demand basis where Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately we're going to – and this is four years out, according to the plan, four years, going back to your point, where we start to bring in a faculty of guest instructors. So ultimately – Uh, The Business Creators Institute, if and when I sell that seven to ten years down the road, is what the current plan calls for, is that uh, it will be a training organization that doesn't require one particular human being to be the Godhead figure.
1: Right. And for your listeners out there that are service-based and they run things themselves or it's a family business, you know, I, I real I hate to be morbid, but you need to have more of a plan than just that million dollar life insurance policy. Yes. Because think about your clients and think about the people that the, the schedule that you have. My dad works has a nine month schedule in his business. If something were to happen to him today, that nine months worth of clients where there's nothing's going to happen those houses are not going to be built and those roofs are not going to be put on by the person that was, that was given that because he has chosen to put himself in that, in that position. Yeah. You know, now we're actually working on succeeding the business to somebody. And so we're in that 10 year plan. But if you have to think about your, if you are of the trade, if you are the service, you need to have a plan for if something happens to you today and processes in place, and people in place to, you know, start to learn what you do and start succeeding your business to somebody, that needs to be in place 10 years before you think you can retire. And hopefully, God forbid, something doesn't happen to you in that time. And right. this comes this comes from my heart because my dad has fallen off four roofs. He's had wow. back surgery. He's had knee surgery. And he is still up swinging a hammer. He is 55 years old. And, you know, but that's not what, that's not the standard. He's in really good shape and he's really passionate about what he does. But the next time something happens may be his last time. And I think about that every time I hear about Tim the Tool Man because my dad (laughs) falls into that category. Yeah, I know. For for all the service industry people out there. And that's my passion because they are, it is their passion. It's, it's, they have to have their bodies. And at some point, your body's not going to be there for you.
0: Right. That's and you need, to
1: have, you need to have plans for that. And that's why I got into business doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, and 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 what, part of what I love about that is how you do support people in that way, and you point out certain truths that if you want a sellable business or a business that can truly live with, live without you, it's like it's like having an oak tree in your front yard. You better plant the sapling today because it's going to take some time to grow. Uh, right. So, uh, so I mean, I, I remember uh, thirty years ago, uh, my dad and I planted a little sapling of a maple tree uh, in the front yard in my parents' house. And that sucker 30 years out is just strong enough where somebody might be able to start climbing it.
1: Yeah. And, and Hey, you know what? It's going to be there for a really long time. It has a succession plan.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to keep, it's going to keep growing more and deeper roots and shoot off more branches. And, uh, the leaves are going to rain down from it more and more as the years go by. See, doesn't that sound like a business analogy?
1: Absolutely, and people are going to buy the house. Yes. New people are going to move in, and it's still going to flourish until one day, you know, it – hey, you know, who knows how long it will be? Who knows how many owners it will have? Right. And when you start a business, your ultimate goal should be for that next person to own that business so that you can go on and do your next thing because entrepreneurs have many great ideas.
0: They're not just made
1: to be one thing. And, you know, you but you also you need to take your body into consideration. You need to take your mind into consideration and you need to take your your family and what you want to do in your life into consideration. It's not just about today. It's about your plans for the future and where you want it to go. And it's you have to start with that at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's very true. And, you know, we have to be aware of, you know, how to delegate and what to delegate and to have the type of business that you can and want to delegate. Um, you know, just because your coach tells you, Oh, well, you got to leverage this and you got to make like five mini Brooks or five atom clones or something like that. You got to ask the question, do you really want to? And if the answer okay. is no, find something that you would want to do that with. So don't Pull allow back. your current circumstances like, you know you know like you know like with my with my handful of vip clients i don't want to leverage that or build a machine around it or anything like that so i say no mm-hmm. this is not the one i'm going to do that with but i'm going to do that with something else that exactly. i can get behind and get excited about so i get to, i get to have everything i want yep
1: and you want to know the first thing you should delegate do tell all right, the cleaning of your house. Yeah. For <laughs> you know the easiest thing for you to delegate is the cleaning of your house.
0: Having no joke.
1: Hiring a cleaning service to come in and clean twice a month. And once you do that, you're like, oh my gosh, I never want to go back. What can I delegate next? So right. all of the all of these places that uh, send sous chef meals to your house. Uh, that's another thing you can delegate. No more shopping. Yes. And that's just in your personal life, right? Right. And so you start thinking about all of these things in your personal life you can delegate, and then you're like, wow, what can I delegate in my business? What do I hate doing? <laughs>
0: that's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cleaning your house. Um, you know, another one is uh, when I get my – when I, I tell people that every few weeks I get my car washed. Note I didn't say I wash my car. <laughs> yes, I know how to wash a car. I used to make money washing cars. I, I, I can wash cars better than just about anyone. But is it really worth my time to wash the car or is it more worth it to pay $30 for somebody else to do it while within that 15 minutes I had to sit there waiting for the $30 job I paid for? Uh, I could uh, close a deal or do something that's revenue generating for a lot more than $30. Where is my time best spent?
1: Exactly. It takes me – I have this great car wash here in Tampa that I absolutely love, and it costs me $15. They do the inside and the outside. And I can sit there and I can be on a conference call or I can be on a client call or I can be checking email and I don't lose any time in my day for the time it takes that car to go through the wash.
0: That's right. And get all
1: clean. You know, the same thing. I it, it, ta- it would take me what? An hour to clean my apartment or two hours to cut the lawn or whatever. Yeah. But all of that time I can now make money and you can turn that right around. In my best example, um, for people, for new clients, for people that are asking me, what should I start with or how should I delegate? Um, the first thing that I have to get people in is the mindset of delegation. And here's yes. the best example that I can use that everybody understands. So if it takes you 10 hours a month to do your books, to scan your receipt, to call your clients to collect money, to send invoices and all of that. And your hourly rate is a hundred bucks. You just paid somebody who doesn't have the expertise to do the job, a thousand dollars a month to do that. Right. When you could have paid somebody that does have the expertise that can do it faster, $350 a month. So right there, I just saved you $650. That you can now turn around and go and get a new client or two in that 10 hours and pay for your new bookkeeper.
0: Well, dang. Talk
1: about saving money.
0: Well, dang. I'll tell you you what. We are right at the top of the hour. I mean, we have uh, literally uh, two and a half minutes left here. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to turn the floor over to you for just a moment. And uh, you uh, told me in the green room, do you have a little something for us?
1: I do. I do. So um, we are releasing a brand new YouTube channel here in March of 2017 called In the Trenches MBA. Now that we're back to the MBA thing, right? Yeah. So In the Trenches MBA is a question and answer type system that we've put in place for our clients and for our new family across the United States and internationally. So what I want to give to you today is if you go to um, myclonesolution.com slash in the trenches. And I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes for me. Um, you can actually complete a short form and we are going to email you back the first three things that you can do to save yourself time, money, and to get out of the pain the first pain point that you have. So these questions are easy. Just going to ask you a couple of things. And then we're actually going to give you your first three steps. You're also going to have the ability to join our closed Facebook group, which is called In the Trenches Q&A, where my team and my team of um, freelancers across every single administrative task you can imagine puts in office hours weekly answering the questions that go there. If you can't wow. get the answer from one of our um, members. So wow, that's great. This we're looking to make this into the place where small business owners and growing business owners go to get the answers that truly make a difference in their business. Um, and not just what CRM should I use? And then everybody tells you what they use because exactly. that's not the. So, um, again, yep. mycoonsolution.com slash in the trenches. And you can find us on YouTube as well at in the trenches MBA.
0: All right. Well, uh, we're right at the top here. So, uh, Brooke Burrup, I want to thank you so much for coming to spend time with us today from your lovely home at MyCloneSolution.com. It's been an honor, and it's been an education.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming back.
0: All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business creators radio show please be sure to check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on all the networks which we syndicate where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so next time have a great day take care